Welcome to The Wellness Connection with your hosts, Roddy Aglis and Peter McCarthy. Our program provides you with timely and relevant information on the state of your health and the topics surrounding it, such as natural remedies, green living, expert opinions, important facts, and more to contribute to your healthy lifestyle. Now, here are Peter McCarthy and Roddy Aglis. Hello and welcome to The Wellness Connection. I'm your co-host, Roddy Aglis. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. Our special guest today is perhaps the most renowned expert on the subject of artificial sweeteners, Dr. Janet Hall, PhD, who will share with us how she became the expert, what the hazards of artificial sweeteners are, and what we can do about them. And in our health freedom segment, our good friend, attorney Rick Jaffe, will offer a surprising new take on the availability of stem cell therapy. Plus, our usual segments, the supplement of the week, the burning question, and the drug-induced nutrient depletion report. But first, Radia, your news report reveals some new information about how the body reduces belly fat, doesn't it? Well, that's right, Peter. In an exploratory study published in Cell Metabolism, scientists from the University of Copenhagen suggest that they have uncovered the underlining metabolic mechanism of how physical activity aids reduction of belly fat. The signaling molecule, interleukin-6 or IL-6, was found to play a key role in lipid breakdown processes. A small controlled clinical trial consisting of 12 weeks of bicycle exercise intervention, to no surprise, decreased visceral abdominal fat in obese adults. But this was abolished in subjects treated with the rheumatoid arthritis medication tocilizumab. A side effect of this drug is that it blocks the IL-6 operation. Visceral fat tissue surrounding internal organs in the abdominal cavity can be reduced with physical activity, but until recently, the underlying mechanisms have not been clear. Epinephrine hormones have been proposed to mediate this effect, and interleukin-6 has been suspected to play a role since it regulates energy metabolism, is released from skeletal muscles during exercise, and stimulates the breakdown of fats in healthy individuals. Placebo groups uh, reduced visceral fat tissue mass by an average of 8% with exercise. However, tocilizumab was observed to eliminate this effect. The drug actually increased visceral fat tissue mass by approximately 278 grams in the exercise group and increased total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol in both exercise and non-exercise groups. The possibility of interleukin-6 affecting whether fats or carbohydrates are used to generate energy is a topic that will be investigated under various conditions in future studies. Well, that really is uh, very interesting, not only from the standpoint of understanding the mechanism of IL-6, but the unintended side effects of tocilizumab. Wow. Right. And we do see an interesting kind of twist on immune and fat and all of those, you know, all of those variables. There you go. Yeah. Very interesting. Yes. 
Now, Peter, you have exciting new information about the effect of CBD on our body's endocannabinoid network. Yes, it's exciting indeed, Radia. Some people have been concerned that supplementation with CBD or phytocannabinoids might interfere with the body's own production of endocannabinoids, much in the same way that getting testosterone injections causes the body to make less of its own testosterone. A study recently conducted at the Huntington College of Health Sciences has revealed the good news that it's not true. Unlike the testosterone injections, which are essentially the same chemical structure as that of your body's own testosterone, phytocannabinoids are not the same chemical structure as the endocannabinoids produced in the body. It works this way. The two prominent endocannabinoids produced in the body are AEA and 2-AG, which bind with receptors within the endocannabinoid system. After this occurs, an enzyme in the body called fatty acid amide hydrolase, or FAAH, breaks down the AEA and 2-AG, which means there are now less endocannabinoids present to do their job. When significant amounts of phytocannabinoids, such as CBD, are consumed, however, the FAAH will be used to break them down instead of breaking down the endocannabinoids. This helps maintain healthy level levels of endocannabinoids and prolong their action. So clearly, the use of phytocannabinoids does not cause the body to make less of its own endocannabinoids. Quite the opposite. Well, that is good to know. I mean... CBD has become so prevalent in the, the wellness arena and so many people are jumping on the bandwagon and there is concern about, you know, all of the variables because it's relatively new as far as its research on CBD. So it's really good to see more and more research coming out. Uh, that's just showing positive things about CBD. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, this was really uh, encouraging to see that. And now I'm delighted to introduce our featured guest for today, Dr. Janet Starr Hall, PhD. She has a very diverse background with academic degrees and experience in geology, international geography, uh, environmental sciences, fitness training, and nutrition. She's an OSHA certified environmental hazardous waste emergency response specialist and toxicologist, a former firefighter and college professor. In 1991, Dr. Hall had an unexpected change in career after she was diagnosed with incurable Graves' disease. Through diligent research and her thorough understanding of toxicity, she later discovered her Graves' disease was actually aspartame poisoning. She has since worked to inform consumers about the health dangers of artificial sweeteners. Dr. Hall's experiences have provided pieces to a lifelong puzzle the damaging effects of artificial sweeteners. She combined her various skills to form a unique application to natural medicine. Her work is based upon the interrelationships of all sciences as she personally discovered that, quote, what works in nature can surely work in man, unquote. Dr. Janet, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for the wonderful introduction. It pretty much said it all. Wow. Well, I have my first question to you, Dr. Janet, is uh, how did you get involved in the area of artificial sweeteners? Well, you know, it was serendipitous. Um, I was a professor at the University of North Texas teaching environmental science and international geography. 
and I started grabbing a, a diet cola on my commute from Denton home in the evenings, and in less than a year, my health had deteriorated to the point that I was hospitalized with a diagnosis of hyperthyroidism, Graves' disease, which the doctors told me was incurable. And because of my toxicology background, my expertise was to identify the toxins in the environment, figure out how to remediate those toxins and restore the environment back to its natural state. So I simply asked the doctor, huh, well, what in the heck has made me deathly ill? And he said, of course, well, we don't know. And I was like, well, how can you fix something when you don't know what's caused it? And of course, he glazed over with the deer in the headlights. And I said, okay, I tell you what, I am going to go home and I'm going to figure out what caused this before I allow you to do permanent surgery on my body, destroy my thyroid. Uh, I had to be on heart medication. Um, my hair was falling out. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, 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 my body was falling apart. So he looked at me and he said, well, okay, but you will die if you don't do something about this. So I went home and I got on the quest of doing what a good environmental toxicologist would do. What is the cause of this? And I found it. It was the aspartame in the NutraSweet diet cola that I was drinking every day. So I began doing my research on aspartame. And now this was back in the 90s before our computers were uh, at the capacity that they are today. I didn't have Google. I didn't have DuckDuckGo. So I literally had to do my hand research, my telephone calls to the researchers. I had to literally visit the research scientists and the activists that were working on this. And I discovered that NutraSweet equal aspartame was a toxic substance that was determined as being toxic from its origin. Well, when I discovered that and I realized that that's, that was what had caused my diagnosis of Graves' disease, I removed it. I restored my health nutritionally. And I healed my incurable case of Graves' disease in six weeks. Well, I think uh, the, the critical thing, especially on this subject, so many people are concerned today about weight loss and losing right. weight. So most of the artificial sweeteners on the market are marketed or portrayed as so-called diet products with the implication that they'll help you to lose weight. Have you found that to be true? Oh, that is such a wonderful question because it is probably, that and, and migraine headaches are probably the top of the list. What these artificial sweeteners do is they, it's called the cephalic phase index. They trick your body into thinking that there's incoming sucrose, incoming sugar. So your body will produce insulin in order to metabolize that sugar, take that sugar and turn it into energy. Well, when there's no sugar there, instead, it's, it's, it's fake, it's hollow. Um, there is nothing to metabolize into energy, and there's nothing for the insulin to um, work with. So people have uh, an, in, uh, an increase of insulin circulating through their bloodstream. 
And this causes insulin, causes waking. And it also causes your body to stay in a hunger state. Your appetite is increased because it's wanting to uh, use that insulin. It's wanting to have that sucrose for energy, and there's nothing there. So well, you know, it Dr. causes Janet, you to eat more. Sorry? I'm, that's quite sorry. all right. Uh, you know, uh, this, as I know you well know, there's so much more to this than, than just the weight issue. And as a retired pilot for a major airline, I became acquainted with the hazards of aspartame through the publicizing of several in-flight incidents involving adverse right. reactions to aspartame. And could you please share uh, with our listeners briefly more about that? Yes, because that is a very frightening reality. But most of the pilots now know that aspartame causes them to um, have uh, fogginess. Um, some pilots have actually passed out in the cockpit, and their co-pilots have had to take over. So the word is out as far as the pilots go. Now, that might not be 100%, but when NutraSweet Equal and the diet drinks first came out, and Equal especially with the blue packet, uh, the pilots would be drinking diet colas in the cockpit. They would be zipping open the blue packet and pouring that into hot coffee, hot tea. And the pilots were experiencing vertigo. Uh, again, they were passing out. Um, memory loss, and so they were having trouble when they were navigating the planes. And Probably the thing that was the most um, concerning to me was the documentation of an incident where one of the pilots in, at the airline where I flew suffered a, an aspartame-induced seizure upon landing roll yes. and had the uh, other pilot not taken control, uh, it would have run the airplane off the runway. Absolutely. And we have so many case histories of that, Peter, so many case histories of pilots. Now, the pilots will call in anonymously because if it's on their medical that they've had any issues, you know, they'll lose their medical license to fly. That's so right. they, they want to report their experiences with aspartame and, and the diet sweeteners, but they want to do it anonymously. But we have so many that call in. But once, once they realized the cause and effect between the aspartame and, and the health symptoms that they were experiencing while in flight, and seizures are one of them, one of the more common ones, the word spread fairly quickly, and they stopped, they stopped using it. But I will tell you, it is definitely something to consider when you are flying. It's like, ooh, I hope my pilot isn't using it. And many times when smaller planes crash, it makes you wonder, you know, if they, if they were drinking a diet, a diet soda while they were in the cockpit. It is very realistic. The health symptoms and the health conditions, disease syndromes like the seizures, Parkinson's, MS, um, high blood pressure, elevated heart rate, uh, these are all connected to aspartame use. Janet, please tell our listeners what happens to aspartame after it's ingested in the human body. 
Well, aspartame originally was only three ingredients. Now they have added um, a fourth ingredient and relabeled it as neotame. And of course, aspartame has changed its name several different times because people are figuring this out. But um, so all they do is just change, change names. It's really the same thing. But what happens with aspartame is it's, it's got two isolated amino acids that are bonded together by pure methanol. The methanol breaks free at 86 degrees Fahrenheit, so that's lower than your body temperature, and it also can break free sitting in the truck in Texas, you know, or in the hot states um, before it's even put on the shelf. So what happens is, is that methanol has no use in the body whatsoever, no nutritional use. And so the methanol free floats around the body. Aspartame will penetrate into the brain, which is why there are so many brain tumors connected to aspartame and neurological problems connected to aspartame. But what happens with the formaldehyde is it sits in the body and it breaks down into formic acid and the formic acid then breaks down into formaldehyde. Formaldehyde is what we use to embalm uh, Mm. animals. And so it's very, very hard to detox. You can get rid of the formaldehyde. It takes a a longer time and a lot of dedication, but the formaldehyde is what is left in the body. So your body literally is is being embalmed over time, the more aspartame that you ingest. Well, we want to continue this conversation, and we'll continue our interview with Dr. Janet Hull after a brief message from our sponsor. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. Balance and good health, two essential building blocks for a full and rich life, but sometimes in our complex and stressful world, both can be lost, and you need to find a natural way to get them back. Enter CBD oil, a natural approach to restoring harmony to your body and your life, but not just any CBD oil. For natural results, you want to be sure the CBD oil you use is produced the right way. Wave Organics offers pure CBD oil from hemp raised naturally on farms in Colorado. The oil is extracted using supercritical CO2, which is free of toxic solvents. In fact, Wave controls every step in the process, offering quality control and natural approaches from seed to shelf. Visit waayb.com to learn more and use the code WellnessConnection for a 10% discount on your first order. Wave Organics, pure natural CBD. You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. And welcome back to The Wellness Connection and our continuing interview with Dr. Janet Hull. Uh, Dr. Janet, can artificial sweeteners have an impact on the effectiveness of prescription drugs? Absolutely. They will, they will interact with prescription drugs, um, chemically interact with the prescription drugs. They can do one of two things. They can cause the prescription drugs to 
go off base and not target what that purpose of the drug was, or two, they can literally disengage the drug so that the drug is non-effective. So the chemicals within these diet sweeteners will absolutely chemically compound with pharmaceutical drugs. Hmm. Wow. Well, you know, there's been a lot of controversy about aspartame potentially causing cancer. You know, what does the research say about that? Well, you know, what's interesting about that and another good question is it was proven to cause cancer back in the 1970s. This information has been there for so many years and it's been manipulated from the public very, very sadly. The, with aspartame, uh, Dr. John Olney from Washington School of Medicine determined conclusively that the methanol and the phenylalanine in aspartame ate holes in the brains of his laboratory mice. So it literally disintegrated the cholesterol in the brain mass. So, so many people that have brain tumors, they're not actually tumors, they're lesions in the brain that have filled full of blood. And many brain surgeons have noted this, that when they've gone in to remove a brain tumor, it was not a tumor, it was a lesion. So, and they were puzzled by it because the AMA was told back in the 1970s to stay away from this issue, leave it alone, don't touch it. So the doctors are not educated on this. The nurses are not educated on this. So they do not have the background in order to make good decisions, especially when they're in surgery. But it also was proven in laboratory uh, research to cause mammary gland tumors. The aspartame caused mammary gland tumors. Sucralose has been proven in research studies to cause hind leg paralysis and prostate issues and reproductive infertility issues. So all of this is proven research, and it's out there. It's available. Now, I'm not sure how how, uh, available it is on Google these days, but if you do a DuckDuckGo, you're going to find more um, research available to you because it's a, a little bit better search engine. Well, Dr. Janet, many Gulf War veterans have implicated aspartame as being a cause of their Gulf War syndrome symptoms. What's your take? Right. Well, the take on that is, again, if aspartame is going to break apart, if the methanol is going to break away from the aspartic acid and the phenylalanine at 86 degrees, it's about, what, 115 degrees in, in the Iraqi desert? So by the time they received and they shipped cases and cases of the diet colas over to the troops in Iraq, so by the time the troops were drinking it, it had already broken apart. So they were drinking free methanol, which is like white lightning, rock gut liquor is what they were drinking. And so in the heat, when they're dehydrated and they're drinking that potency of pure methanol, it's going to cause health reactions most definitely. So it does cause, it does cause many disease syndromes. Gulf War syndrome is actually what you could just lump into one category as toxicity. Hmm. Well, if there's so many issues with aspartame, you know, why is it still FDA approved? Money, corruption. And, and I think, you know, 
back since I've been doing this since 1991, um, I was, I was part of, of the researchers that were, were saying that aspartame was a toxin. It's been a toxin and a known toxin since the early 1960s or the mid 1960s. And I'm going to say that, that we were not taken seriously and it was a lot easier to manipulate us because we didn't have the, the, you know, the internet. There are so many more conspiracies that are now coming front and center because we do have good internet and alternative media. But what we're now discovering and finally just realizing is the corruption of the corporations and the FDA, the EPA, the government. And now people are beginning to accept, okay, I get it. We see the corruption. They couldn't really see the corruption 10, 20, 30 years ago as clearly as they do today. But the reason that it is still on the market is pure corruption. That's it. Corruption. Hmm. Wow. They know. Yeah. If, they if, know. Yes, they do. Now, many of our customers and clients already know about the hazards of aspartame and have chosen to use Splenda instead. What do you think about that? Right. Well, because of my reputation with working with the researchers all over the world with aspartame, they very kindly cued me up when Tate and Lyle in England came up with sucralose and very kindly gave me the formula for sucralose and the history behind sucralose. So any of the information about sucralose that's come to the United States was very kindly given to me by the researchers in England. Sucralose was purposefully, not accidentally discovered, like so many of the other diet sweeteners have been accidentally discovered. Sucralose was purposely discovered by Tate & Lyle, which was a sugar company in London. They were looking for a competitor to NutraSweet or Candarel over in, in Europe. And so they were doing research on an alternative. Well, what they did was they took a sugar molecule and they took three quarters of that molecule, carved it out, and inserted chlorine. Now, chlorine is, is, is an element uh, in nature that blends and compounds very easily with everything. Uh, magnesium, potassium, sodium. So you've got potassium chloride, sodium chloride, uh, magnesium chloride. So what they did is they, they took three quarters of that sugar molecule and they inserted the chlorine in it. So it was one quarter sugar, three quarters chlorine. What they had to do in order to get the uh, molecule to hold the chlorine is they had to add all kinds of little toxins like lithium chloride, methanol, ethanol, um, uh, acetone. I mean, it's nasty. So mm. they locked it in. They locked the chlorine in, and it made it taste sweet. And they thought, okay, the chlorine is going to be somewhat innocuous. They use it for water purification, et cetera. And that, that's sucralose, guys. That's sucralose. Three-quarters chlorine. And so I have a chapter in my book on Splenda on you might as well just drink from your swimming pool swimming because pool. Yep. A, a Japanese study proved that at least 15% of that chlorine is released when you drink Splenda or sucralose. So, again, you might as well drink from your swimming pool. 
So <laughs> what's happening is, is that, that now sucralose does not penetrate into the brain like aspartame does. So it doesn't do a number on your, on your pineal gland or your pituitary gland, or it doesn't literally disintegrate and eat your brain tissue. However, when you look, when you think about sucralose, I want you to think about side effects from drinking bleach or chlorine. It's going to affect your breathing. It's going to cause asthma symptoms. It's going to cause skin irritation and skin symptoms. It's going to cause kidney and bladder issues and lower GI and intestinal issues. So when you're drinking Splenda or sucralose, just think about just drinking a little bit of chlorine, Clorox bleach. That's, that's how we want to compare it. So we have our choices, right? We have formaldehyde and aspartame and chlorine and Splenda. Lovely. <laughs> well, now there's a new stevia-based artificial sweetener on the market called Truvia. What's the latest on that product? Well, I call Truvia a little bit stevia and a whole lot of fillers. Um, it, it, but hats off, at least they were trying to market an alternative that was better. It doesn't cause cancer, okay? But the best thing to do with stevia is just to buy the pure stevia at the health markets. Um, and when you're buying stevia in, in the grocery store, just try to find the one with the least amount of added ingredients. Um, I'm not promoting any companies, but I will tell you that there is a company called New Stevia. They're up in uh, the Midwest, uh, no, the Northwest, I think Oregon, possibly. They have a very good product. Uh, NOW has a good stevia. There are some wonderful stevia products out there that are pretty pure. But what you want to do with stevia is try to find the one with the least amount of the ingredients. Truvia is, like I said, a little bit stevia, a whole lot of fillers. But it sure is heck better than the pink pack, the blue pack, or the yellow pack. There you go. Well, Dr. Uh, Dr. Janet, I know there are listeners out there that, who would like to know more about you and the services you offer. How can they do that? Well, I tell you what, um, I'm, I've got websites all over the place, but my mothership is just JanetHull.com. My name, JanetHull.com. When you get on JanetHull.com, that gets you to my aspartame, sweet poison uh, info, my Splenda info, my cancer research info. Um, I've got a website to where uh, I, I, I do product reviews and recommend the best vitamin choices for people out there. Um, I do a lot on um, detoxification. I have a detoxification program that we're going to offer for free. Um, I do the hair analysis to try to determine the toxins that have made people sick. Um, and that's hairanalysisprogram.com. But all of that can be found off of janethull.com because I'm kind of all over the map. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah, you have your fingers in a lot of different pies, that's for sure. And Dr. Janet, right. you know, there's so much more we know you have to share with us, but that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Dr. Janet Hell, for joining us on The Wellness Connection. Well, thank you for having me, and maybe we can do it a little more often because um, I really appreciate the work that y'all are doing to keep up the good work. Well, thank you, and we'll be right back after this brief message from our sponsor, you're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network.
Do you have trouble with nervousness, trouble relaxing, or turning your brain off at night to fall asleep? Then we may have a natural solution just for you. Calming Cream from Neurobiologics, created by a leading neurosurgeon, provides five essential ingredients to help relax the neurotransmitters of the brain. Who wouldn't want to relax or wind down with a great smelling lotion? Visit neurobiologics.com or coffeewithdrstewart.com for details. Neurobiologics, we are changing lives one formula at a time. Do you or a family member have trouble concentrating, staying on task, remembering things? Does everyday life stress you out or are you in a bad mood? Well, we may have just the solution. Neurobiologics' new nutritional formula, Full Focus, created by leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist, Dr. Kendall Stewart, with 12 active ingredients carefully crafted by a physician to maximize brain performance, memory, and mood. For more information on this product and to view a video by Dr. Stewart explaining how Full Focus works and may be helpful to you or your family, please visit neurobiologics.com. Neurobiologics, where our mission is your health. Listening to the Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. And, Roddy, we know that what that sound means. It's post-time, time for the supplement of the week. What supplement are we posting this week? Well, Peter, first I'd like to talk a little bit about this segment. You know, I try and pick special or unique uh, nutraceuticals that some folks either have not heard of before or may have questions about their use. And just a side note to our listeners, neither Peter or I received compensation for our recommendations. These are the choices that I have researched and have experienced in my clinical practice. That being said, I'm seeing that advanced formulas of vital nutrients are bringing a new era in medicine. And today, I'm going to talk about a special kind of thiamine, or B1. Um, The main role of carbohydrates is to provide energy for the body, especially the brain and nervous system. Thiamine, or B1, helps the body's cells change carbohydrates into energy. Thiamine plays a role in muscle contraction and conduction of nerve signals, and it's also essential for the metabolism of vitamin B6, which is vital for protein metabolism, proper brain development, making serotonin, which regulates mood, and norepinephrine, which helps your body cope with stress. Because thiamine's strategic position in the cell, um, it has a vast importance in oxidative metabolism in this complex energy production mechanism. The genetic mutation, the SLC1A2, may affect the thiamine transport in some people, causing thiamine responsive anemia. More likely, however, and this is important, excess sugar and fat can overwhelm the capacity of thiamine to conduct the mechanism involved in energy synthesis, which can cause thiamine deficiency. Research is now seeing the fat-soluble form of thiamine, known as benphotamine, appears to have higher bioavailability and absorption by the body. Yes, some people do use it to raise their thiamine levels and manage certain health conditions. 
And one such condition is the harmful effects of glycotoxins known as advanced glycation end products or AGEs. And glycotoxins are found in high fat meals that trigger inflammation and accelerate many aging related degenerative diseases. And the list of that would include diabetes neuropathy and other types of neuropathies, diabetic retinopathy, peripheral vascular disease, chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, heart disease, inflammation, oxidative stress, anxiety, depression, and thyroid disease such as Hashimoto's disease. You know, and speaking of thyroid and benfotamine, a study in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine concluded that thiamine led uh, to partial or complete regression of fatigue related to hypothyroid within a few hours or days. And besides benefotamine, there's even another kind of thiamine derivative known as lipothiamine. And its technical name is tetrahydrofurfalol disulfide, which is, in other words, TTFDs. Um, the completely non-toxic use of TTFDs is the same as regular thiamine, but the mechanism of its introduction to the cell, particularly those in the brain, give it its unique ability to cross the blood-brain barrier. High doses of the right kind of thiamine are acting like a pharmaceutical by stimulating the missing action. For example, benfodiamine works on the peripheral niche tissues by a novel mechanism to prevent the development and progression of diabetic uh, complications. Whereas lipothiamine acts on the central nervous system in the brain. And we're not dealing with simple vitamin replacement here, Peter. No, we're not. <laughs> this should represent a new era in medicine when nutrient biochemistry takes its place in patient care. Yes, it, it sure does. And I like the mega benfotamine by Life Extension. Yeah, and for the lipothiamine, um, I like the one by Cardiovascular Research. Yeah, so, you know, th this is something that I think people need to become more aware of, and this is a great first step in the area of the, of the B vitamins for uh, people to understand a little more about the benefits of supplements like this. Yeah, we, we are really moving into a whole new era with these kinds of nutrients or nutraceuticals. Yes, we, really yeah, excited to yes we are. Research them. Absolutely. Keep up the good work. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the burning question where we answer those important health questions that you, the listeners, send in to us. It's important to note that any diagnosis of disease can only be provided by your medical doctor or other licensed healthcare professional. None of the information we present is intended for the diagnosis or treatment of disease. Uh, today's burning question was submitted by Brian in Phoenix, and the questions, question is, do fats and cholesterol really cause heart disease? Oh, one of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, Brian, you need cholesterol. The sterol in cholesterol makes your steroid hormones, your testosterone and other sex hormones, your stress hormones such as corticosteroids and your mineral corticoids, uh, hormones that balance your minerals. But here's the story of the greatest medical deception of the 20th century. In 1953, med, uh, heart disease was becoming an important public issue in America, and the politicians and medical establishment were desperate to offer some explanation to the public and to show that they were in control. Ta-da! 
the diet heart hypothesis was proposed in the US at that time, which stated that dietary fats cause heart disease. And by avoiding fats, we can avoid developing heart disease. <laughs> wow. Now, mind you, this hypothesis was established before the research was conducted. And once politicians and the public bought the idea, the researchers had to come up with science to fit the bill employing thousands of people to prove the theory. Ka-ching! Mm -hmm. And of course, the media joined in with absolutely no basis for their reporting. But hey, if it's on TV and in the advertisements, it must be true, right? <laughs> and the eminent, Amer the eminent American physician and scientist, Dr. George Mann, called the diet heart hypothesis, quote, the greatest scientific deception of this century perhaps of any century, unquote. And Dr. Paul J. Roche, clinical professor of medicine, was quoted as saying, quote, a massive crusade has been conceived to lower your cholesterol count by rigidly restricting dietary fat coupled with aggressive drug treatment, unquote. <laughs> Enter all the players. A highly successful promotional campaign was waged by all the usual suspects, and a new industry was born manufacturers of low-fat, non-fat, and fat-free foods burst on the scene. And of course, fat being what fat being what makes food taste good. If you don't have fat, then you need to add more of what? Sugar. Uh, right on. And enter the sugar cartels. And later the high fructose corn syrup manufacturers, which made things much worse. Sure. High fructose corn syrup is cheaper but studies prove it's much more dangerous. And don't forget the cholesterol cartel of drug companies and blood testing devices. Roche goes on to say, their power is so great that they have infiltrated medical and governmental regulatory agents that would normally protect us from such unsubstantiated dogma. In a multi-year British study published in The Lancet involving several thousand men, half were asked to reduce saturated fat and cholesterol in their diets to stop smoking and to increase the amounts of unsaturated oils, such as margarine and vegetable oils. After one year, those on the quote-unquote good diet had 100% more deaths than those on the quote-unquote bad diet, in spite of the fact that those men on the bad diet continued to smoke. Now, Brian, that does not suggest that you can smoke. But remember, 80% of cholesterol is made from your body, not by dietary intake of fat. Keep your insulin levels down. Insulin is a fat-storing hormone and creates cholesterol. If you eat a healthy, balanced diet of good fats, reduce your consumption of processed foods and sugars, especially high fructose corn syrup, exercise and reduce your stress, you should not worry about fat in your diet. Well, I hope that clears up the myth, Brian. Uh, you can submit your own burning question by sending it to us at thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. That's thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. Tune in every week to hear if your question is being answered on the air. We'll be right back with important information about drug-induced nutrient depletion and our health freedom update after a brief message from our sponsor. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network.
Do you or a family member have trouble concentrating, staying on task, remembering things? Does everyday life stress you out or are you in a bad mood? Well, we may have just the solution. Neurobiologics' new nutritional formula, Full Focus, created by leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist, Dr. Kendall Stewart, with 12 active ingredients carefully crafted by a physician to maximize brain performance, memory, and mood. For more information on this product and to view a video by Dr. Stewart explaining how Full Focus works and may be helpful to you or your family, please visit neurobiologics.com. Neurobiologics, where our mission is your health. Do you have trouble with nervousness, trouble relaxing, or turning your brain off at night to fall asleep? Then we may have a natural solution just for you. Calming Cream from Neurobiologics, created by a leading neurosurgeon, provides five essential ingredients to help relax the neurotransmitters of the brain. Who wouldn't want to relax or wind down with a great smelling lotion? Visit neurobiologics.com or coffeewithdrstewart.com for details. Neurobiologics, we are changing lives one formula at a time. You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. That's thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. Welcome back to The Wellness Connection. And this week's drug-induced nutrient depletion update features what drug, Radia? Well, today's drug is thiazide diuretics. And the deficiencies are magnesium, sodium, potassium, and zinc. And also, what we were just talking about in our supplement of the week, thiamine. And this is an interesting study. One study showed that thiamine deficiency was found in 98% of patients with congestive heart failure who took 80 milligrams of um, furosemide, which is an, another word for Lasix, which most of you know. And um, in 57% of patients who took just 40 milligrams daily. So some signs of thiamine deficiency are loss of appetite, fatigue, irritability, reduced reflexes, tingling sensations in the arms and legs, and muscle weakness. Signs of sodium deficiency are nausea and vomiting, headache, confusion, loss of energy, drowsiness and fatigue, restlessness and irritability, muscle weakness, spasms or cramps, seizures, and coma. That's quite a list. Yeah, and signs of calcium deficient or numbness, tingling in the fingers, muscle cramps, lethargy, weak and brittle fingernails, and difficulty swallowing. And signs of magnesium deficiency include muscle twitches and cramps, mental disorders, osteoporosis, fatigue and muscle weakness, high blood pressure, asthma, and irregular heartbeat. Signs of potassium deficiency, weakness and fatigue, muscle cramps, muscle aches and stiffness, tingles and numbness, heart palpitations, breathing difficulties, digestive symptoms, and mood changes. And finally, signs of zinc deficiency may manifest as acne, eczema, dry scaling skin, seborrheic dermatitis or alopecia, which is thin and sparse hair, decreased sense of smell and taste, decreased immune system, and slow wound healing. So we've really, it's, that's quite a list that we've got there. Yes. And, and, you know, it just highlights, as we always say during this segment, whenever you fill a prescription at your pharmacy, be sure to talk to a qualified pharmacist or wellness consultant about what supplements you need 
to basically rejuvenate mm -hmm. these le the levels of these vitamins and minerals. Offset the deficiencies. It's very important because it could lead to you know these symptoms and you're not even aware of it. It's a simple depletion of nutrients. There you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now it's time for our health freedom segment. Each week during this segment, we'll be talking with renowned experts and advocates about our most precious right, the right to bodily integrity the right to decide what we put into our bodies and how to care for them. Some of us call that health freedom. Today's returning special guest is our good friend and fellow health freedom advocate, attorney Rick Jaffe. He's a healthcare litigator and counselor with a primary focus on cutting edge medical and legal issues. He represents practitioners, companies, and health-related organizations in complex healthcare matters throughout the United States especially legal cases brought by federal and state government agencies. He has extensive experience in Medicare and insurance fraud defense, FDA litigation, professional licensure, and criminal and civil scheduled drug prescribing problems, including medical marijuana and OxyContin. He has also represented doctors and companies involved in the clinical use of stem cells, Clients include the noted immunologist H. H. Fudenberg, cancer specialist Stanislawski-Brzezinski, uh, uh, and Emmanuel Rivici, and other of the country's leading cutting-edge healthcare professionals. He's represented health organizations in civil litigation and provides general counsel services to trade and other health-related organizations. Rick, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Well, thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Well, we always enjoy our conversations with you, Rick. And, you know, getting right to the point of this one, in a recent blog post, you made an extraordinary prediction about the future availability of stem cell therapy in the U.S. Can you please share that with our listeners? Well, um, what, I've been, what I was talking about in that blog is um, your own stem cells, basically what's called autologous stem cells. Right, and that's to be distinguished from somebody else's stem cells, which is called allogeneic, like from cord blood. So my prediction is that um, f for your own stem cells, right, and materials derived from them, I feel that uh, in terms of orthopedic use, even though the FDA is trying to limit uh, people's ability to use their own uh, body parts or stem cells, I think we've now seen the first signs that the FDA is going to fail. I've been saying they're going to fail for some time because they don't have the manpower. Uh, but the other reason they're going to fail, which we're now seeing, is, well, let me just tell you what happened, is that uh, recently um, one of the major medical centers in the country, in Seattle, the Swedish medical center, is, is, went on – uh, a local TV uh, station and is advertising uh, and promoting autologous stem cells for orthopedic conditions, and I think that is uh, that's huge. I mean, it's 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 really groundbreaking. And you, you know, the other experience I personally had is I went to a major orthopedic uh, center in uh, the Northeast in Connecticut, and it was it, this isn't alternative health. This is just you know a center with. 50 ortho, different orthopedists practicing, and they offered me uh, stem cells and PRP uh, uh, plasma-rich platelets uh, for tennis elbow. And I, I think between the two things, 
what's happening is that um, certain indications for your own stem cells are now becoming standard of care. And once they're standard of care, there's nothing the FDA can really do about it because it's more like the practice of medicine, which is the argument that's been kicked around for 10 or 15 years that, you know, you can't stop someone from using their own stem cells because it's practice of medicine, but the FDA hasn't really accepted it. When it was, when that argument was presented by some of these, you know, kind of marginal places, but now you have major centers that are offering stem cells, autologous stem cell transplants for orthopedic conditions. So I think what's going to happen is now that you have a couple of these centers, everyone else is going to have to do it or else they're going to lose market share. And in my view, that's it. Hmm. Well, you're saying specifically orthopedic use. What restrictions, if any, do you think will be placed on the therapy's availability and beyond orthopedic use? Well, I mean, that's, that's really, that's the $64,000 question. And I'm limiting my prediction to orthopedic use because I think it's so clear that uh, it works. And there's such a, a, a logical connection between joint and uh, ligaments and, and, and uh, uh, where, where there's uh, defects in the tissue and um, the ability of stem cells to, to basically solve those kinds of problems. So I think that's a straight line and I think that's obvious. But if you go on the other side of the spectrum, say uh, stem cells, whether it's autologous, your own stem cells or somebody else's, say for ALS, right, uh, or, mm-hmm. or um, MS, multiple sclerosis, um, I think that those kinds of diseases are going to have to be proven by controlled clinical trials before they achieve acceptance by the major institutions. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be precise. I'm thinking that all of the major orthopedic um, hospitals, institutions are either doing it or going to have to do it to compete. However, um, the more far field you go from some of these basic uh, applications, um, um, I think the harder it's going to be, and I don't think these major institutions are going to start treating ALS with that because that's going to need what's called uh, federal approval by an IND investigational new application. So I don't think that I don't think they're going to go that far. But for orthopedic use, it's now becoming standard of care, regardless of the fact that um, even that use runs afoul of the FDA. Well, you know, that's certainly an extraordinary development, assuming that it does happen. You know, tell us a little more. How do you expect this all to roll out in the coming years? Obviously, we've got some uh, institutions like the Swedish Medical Center that are really kind of stepping out ahead with this. What do you think is going to happen next? Well, I think what's going to happen is the operating officers, the chief operating officers and the the heads of the departments of orthopedics at other regional institutions are going to be looking at this 
And, you, you know, one of these, one of the things that most of these institutions, uh, what they sell is the fact that they're cutting edge. So, and I think that's why Swedish and some of these other places started offering stem cells because um, what had happened up until then is that um, you could only get stem cell treatment from these private stem cell clinics. So these clinics were offering treatments that you couldn't get at some of the major hospitals. And, you know, I think there was a lot of anecdotal data about the benefits of it. And it, it, between some of the clinics in the country and some of the clinics in Mexico and Panama and whatnot, and I think they just felt competitive pressures to to adopt the treatment. So, mm-hmm. you know, I so so the, the, you have to be competitive. Medica- medicine is a very competitive endeavor. It's also very expensive. Uh, a high startup cost, cost for for big places you know, major institutions and high operating costs, and you just can't, they're not going to be able to compete. If you're competing with Swedish or any regional center, you know, you're going to have to offer the cutting edge treatments. And if you don't, then you're going to lose market share. You're going to lose people, right? Because people, because the professionals, you know, want to use the most advanced therapies available. So, I think it just it has it has to just change the way uh, that part of medicine is being practiced. I mean, so and I think that's already happening in a quiet way. I mean, mm-hmm. I had to go and find out from from my orthopedist about it, but uh, and so but slowly they're starting to roll out these brochures and and once all these once there's a, a set number a certain number of major institutions that are doing it, just everyone is going to have to. So what I'm saying is we're now seeing the beginning of the end of the FDA's regulation of autologous stem cell treatments for orthopedic conditions. And that's really the prediction that I'm making. Well, that's great news. And we're so glad you could share this with us. But that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Rick Jaffe, for joining us again on the Wellness Connection. Be sure to tune in next week. And of course, be sure to submit your burning question. The next one we answer may be yours. I'm your co-host, Radia Gleese. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. So long for now from the Wellness Connection, brought to you by Wave and Neurobiologics. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Wellness Connection with Radia Gleese and Peter McCarthy. Be sure to join us for another episode next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week.